0: All right, who keeps moving their hand? Do you really expect me to believe that a ghost is reaching out from beyond the grave through the Ouija board just to call me a scrub? I don't even know what a scrub is. This world is a strange one. The bullies at school are bad enough, but thanks to Ouija boards, you can now be bullied by the afterlife. That's right, pull out your Ouija board and prepare for a demon wedgie. In all seriousness though, Ouija boards might often be seen as toys, but when you try to contact the dead, Ouija board or no Ouija board, sometimes they talk back, sometimes they're angry, and sometimes they aren't what you think they are. Enjoy these allegedly true stories of Ouija boards gone wrong. But first, I need just a few more Kmart stories So if you have an old creepy experience from cringe with a K, Mart, send it to me at darknessprevails.org. Now, I summon thee, demons of YouTube. Rise and bring me the views. Number one, Ouija Board Story, submitted by Shannon. Shannon. I've always been interested in the paranormal. Ever since I was younger, I was obsessed with watching ghost adventures and horror movies. Well, when I turned 19, I decided to buy a Ouija board. I've done a lot of research and even purchased a spirit box. I'm from Massachusetts and live pretty close to the real-life Conjuring house, and that only intrigued me more. My friend and I both went there one day. It's on Route 96 in Burrillville, Rhode Island. The house is further back than the barn and it's blocked off with poles. We went there at 3 a.m. and decided to use the Ouija board across the street. I turned the spirit box on too, just for the sake of it. A few minutes into our operation and I wasn't sure it was working. We just kept getting the response of Z-O-Z-O and it took me a moment to realize that this may be in fact the Demon Zozo. After whatever this was we were communicating with repeated its name about two dozen times, it began to say something else, something far more disturbing. It told us to end our own lives, and it just kept saying it. Every now and then it would say that we don't deserve to be alive. Every minute we kept our hands on the planchette, the cold feeling around us seemed to get more thick. And after a few minutes of this, We decided to end it right there, but I still left the box running. We drove away from the house, but about a mile down the road we stopped. I wanted to go back. This was the most intense experience I've ever had. It was the first time I thought I'd truly experienced something supernatural, and I didn't want it to stop too soon, even if it was a bit dangerous. So I did a U-turn, despite the protest of my friend. I tried to calm them down as they insisted we needed to just leave. And as we were halfway back there, my car just stopped. My car died in the middle of the road on the way back to the house, on the way back to where we had just played with the Ouija board. This car was newer, something that I had just bought that had been inspected by the shop at the dealership. It had never given me any problems before, so this really scared me. When we had originally arrived here, it was about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we wanted to do it when it was scariest, in the middle of the night, in the dark. And now I was starting to regret that decision. So my friend and I just decided to wait in the car and call for some help. During our wait, though, the windows began to fog up. That wasn't weird. They had been doing that all night. What was truly horrifying was seeing handprints appear on the fog on the windows, and I mean dozens of them on each window. They were all around us, coming from seemingly nowhere. My friend just kept saying, start the car. We need to leave now. And by then, I didn't think this paranormal hunt was worth it anymore. Whatever these spirits were, they were too close for comfort. I tried the engine again, but it didn't even roll over. I kept trying and trying until finally, by some miracle, it worked. We sped out of there and back home so fast, I nearly forgot to call the help we had just called to tell them we wouldn't be needing it. Besides, I didn't want anyone else to be out there alone at this time of night. Well, a long while after that incident, I went into work one day and at one point I told my manager that I wouldn't be surprised if this place was haunted. He looked at me with a serious expression, saying that he's heard that accusation before. My job apparently used to be a car shop, and one day one of the mechanics took his own life in the building. An hour later, the power went out, and I just kept praying that that was a coincidence. Fast forward to that Friday. I brought the Ouija board with my friends to some park, People claim that some kid drowned in the nearby pond. It was just the traumatic event that I assumed could lead to a haunting, but nothing too interesting was really happening until finally the board began to spell out, warning, and then lights out. But I had no idea what that meant. A few days go by again and I'm on my way home when I suddenly pass a tree that fell down onto the telephone wires causing the power in my neighborhood to go out. Just my neighborhood. The whole place was just suddenly dark. I don't know if this is connected to what we heard on the Ouija board, but it is yet another horrifying coincidence. All I know is I keep my Ouija board in my car, and now sometimes when I get in my vehicle, I swear I can hear scratching coming from my back seat. Number two, seance gone wrong, submitted by anonymous. This story happened when two friends of mine were foolish during a seance. This was very hard for me to recall, but I hope a lesson can be learned from it. Around five years ago, when I was a junior in high school, My two friends, Larry and Lars, were into some weird stuff. They liked to do seances and they screwed around with Ouija boards, something I'm not sure I ever believed. Even still, it was something that I wouldn't mess with. So when my two friends asked me if I would join their seances, I respectfully declined with an F off every time. I just didn't want to be a part of it. So if there is one lesson that can be learned from all of this, it's to not mock the dead because these two guys incorrectly used a Ouija board, performing seances with spirits just to mock and fool around with them. They didn't believe in it, and they thought it was funny. So on one special occasion, they decided to do a seance, and on that day, I got a call from Larry asking me if I wanted to join in. Again, I told him where to shove it, but he said this time it was going to be different. It was going to be quote-unquote cool because they were going to call the devil himself. I rolled my eyes and I begged them to just stop being stupid, that they might be messing with things they don't understand and it could all come back and bite them right in the rear. Well, about a week later, I got a call from Lars asking me to come over to his house. He wanted to see if I could feel or see something. He said some very weird things had been happening around him and he was beginning to feel really freaked out like he was never alone in his own house. At the time, I was working at Subway from 3 to 11, so I barely had time to eat, let alone have a personal life, so he had to come to me. It was around 7 p.m. or so when Lars came into my Subway, and the second he walked through the door, I felt something horrifying. It was this heavy, oppressive feeling... I've only ever felt such dread like that. One other time before, it made my eyes water. It made me feel like I needed to go throw up. I could barely look at Lars. When I did finally look up at him, I saw something. There was a dark shadow behind him, maybe about 10 feet away, I kid you not. It looked like something trying to resemble his shadow, but it was deformed and barely matched his movements, but I knew better. I told him that there was something behind him. I could barely say it without stuttering, but then he told me he knew, and he basically cried, telling me that he needed some kind of help. I was terrified, I just didn't know what to do. I was young, and I didn't understand what was going on, so I told him the only thing I knew to do I said he needed to start going to church, try getting in touch and close with God. Maybe that could offer some spiritual protection. I'm not religious that way in any way, shape, or form, but again, it was the first thing that came to my mind. But Lars never did. Instead, he began to bury himself in drugs to try to find some solace from the darkness that crept closer every day. Soon, we lost touch with each other I'm a straight shooter, so to speak. I don't have time for druggies. I honestly couldn't stand being around Lars with that darkness looming over him and with his life spiraling out of control. Larry and I lost touch as well. Fast forward five years, August of 2016. I ran into Lars at Walmart and I was honestly pretty happy to see him. But the second I saw him, I felt the same feeling again. This time it felt stronger, more palpable. The black shadow was now right behind him and it was now looming over Lars like a cloak. I told him that thing was still there, that he needed to do something, that he needed to go to the church right away. He just shook his head and said that he hasn't seen that thing in years. Hearing him say that sent chills down my spine. I said goodbye to him, and I cried the entire way home. Something told me that that was the last I'd see of Lars. A few weeks later at the facility I work at, the on-call doctor and also my good friend asked me if I'd go over to his office in the ER with him. He needed help carrying charts and a blood kit. I, of course, said absolutely, so we made our way across the parking lot and over, bringing my trainee with us. He swiped his badge across the lock of the ambulance entry and we quickly made our way inside. Just a side note, we weren't necessarily allowed to be there. We gathered up everything he needed and me and Rose, the trainee, were just about to leave. Well, I'm thankful every day that I was the first one out of the office because what I saw next will forever haunt me in the worst way. Rose was younger. She didn't need to see what I saw. There were nurses, doctors, EMTs running around everywhere and there were familiar stains on the ground. The EMTs were running through the doors with two stretchers. The first one was a body bag. And of course, the person inside was already gone. The second one, however, was not. They seemed to be in a lot of pain and agony. The stretcher passed by me and when I saw who was lying there, I lost it. It was Lars. Lars lay there on the stretcher, mangled, broken, almost gone. Half of his face was missing, yet somehow he was still alive. But he was fading fast. I'd never seen injury so bad, but he was gone before they got him to a room. The doctor grabbed me and dragged me back to his office, but it was too late. I'd already seen all of it, I'd already seen the body of one of my old friends i know that thing got him i know deep down that that darkness consumed him and i'll be honest i wasn't okay for a long while but i dealt with it there's one thing i'm good at it's keeping my composure i will say that for a very long time when i would close my eyes i would still see his mangled body I've just finally gotten to a point where I'm okay again, but even just typing this out dredges it up a bit and causes me a lot of pain. I'm not a crier, but as I wrote this, tears were shed. Please listen to this story and please be safe with the things you don't understand. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
0: Not all games are fun. Submitted by Meg Milkshake. I was 13. I was going to a Halloween party for my friend's 14th birthday. I'd spent the last two hours preparing my spooky costume. I was going as the marionette from Five Nights at Freddy's too. When I arrived at the party, Me and a few other people, including my friend, who we will call Kay, waited for everyone else to arrive. And once everyone was there, we played several rounds of Body Body. For your information, Body Body is very similar to Manhunt, except you have a person hand out cards to everyone. Whoever gets an ace is the killer, and I never got an ace card. But I did get the joy of scaring the crap out of everyone. We got the whole place pitch black, and as my costume was pretty dark as well, I blended in in the darkness perfectly. My face was the only thing that stood out, so I would crawl around screeching and hide. When one of my friends would pass by, I would jump out and screech at them, or I would just stand there until they noticed, which was creepy enough on its own. That went on for a couple of hours, and the majority of the guests had already left, so those that remained included me, Kay and two other people, let's call them R and A. We were all staying the night, and I got bored rather quickly. I was a fan of scary things, so of course, to this day, I wanted to play more scary games. To be specific, I wanted to play with a Ouija board. After convincing everyone that I knew what I was doing, Kay got a large piece of cardboard, scissors, and a Sharpie. After I properly assembled the board the best I could, and got a planchette ready. I explained the rules. The one big warning I gave them was about a demon known as Zozo. It may sound funny, yeah, and some of them even laughed, but I told them if the planchette moved to ZOZO repeatedly or if it moved in an infinity symbol, that they needed to move it to goodbye and take their hands off the board. They listened to me after that. I think that was enough to creep them out somewhat. So we started. We moved the planchette around in a circle four times. Then we asked if anyone was there with us. No answer. We asked the question again, then again. Then after about 20 minutes of nothing happening, it finally moved to yes, and everyone lost it. Considering it hadn't been moving for so long, I think we were all being honest. And when everyone but me jumped away from the planchette, I knew they were genuinely surprised. We began asking more questions, and then it began to spell out one of R's late family members' names. R and A blamed me, saying that I was making it move on its own, but I told them I barely knew R. I didn't know anything about their family member. K quickly supported this. She was a big believer in the paranormal, and she was a Wiccan at the time. We continued playing, some of us taking a break and just watching. And it changed every once in a while to a different passed away family member. When it got to me, it got weird pretty quickly. For a little background, a couple of years ago, my Oma got married to whom I call Opa. Well, who we were supposedly communicating with through the board was now Opa's dead sister, Anne. While we were asking Anne questions, we heard a loud pop come from the kitchen, A got up and went into the kitchen to find the cap from the soda bottle halfway across the kitchen floor. A claims the cap was previously on securely since she was the last one to get soda. So I excitedly asked Anne if that was her. A chill went up my spine when the piece moved to yes, then proceeded to say I like cola. This made me laugh. I asked her why she was talking to me and she told me that she has something to tell me. The board then spelled out, I love you. Please don't forget me. I teared up. I told her I would not forget her. This supposed Anne went quiet after that. Whenever we asked more questions, the planchette would just randomly jerk around the board. Then it happened. It began to spell out another name as a chill went down my spine once again. It spelled Z, O, Z. Before it could finish, I jerked the planchette to goodbye and I told everyone to take their hands off. Right away, I ripped up the cardboard and threw it away. To calm everyone down, we began to eat some pizza and watch some movies. I wasn't that interested in the movie, so I was finishing making my own tarot cards. Kay was happy about that and asked when I would be done. I told her I wasn't quite sure yet, A little while later, Kay suggested that we should go to bed, but we were all dazed by the sugar we had consumed. Kay had sleeping problems in the past, so she had some melatonin with her. She offered us some to help us sleep, and I gladly accepted. R, A, and Kay were still terrified from the Ouija board session, so we slept with the lights on. All was fine and peaceful, and even I began to doze off. Not too long later, I was woken up by the sound of Kay screaming. As I groggily sat up and checked the time, it was three in the morning. I asked them what the heck was going on with the sound of fear in their voices. They explained that the cabinets were opening and slamming shut by themselves, that cups were being knocked off and thrown across the kitchen. I wasn't sure if I believed this. I was more ticked off and tired so I brushed it off and told them to just go back to sleep. They listened and tried to, but we all woke up again later. And this time, I heard the sound of glass shattering across the floor in the kitchen downstairs. The sound kept going and going for several hours. None of us went back to bed. I stayed up until my parents got here and I went home. I never did hear of anything more scary happening at Kay's house, but some very weird stuff happened at mine. On more than one occasion, I've seen shadow-like figures nearby, especially in the kitchen. When I would pass by, and I'm not talking about the corner of my eye, right in front of me, I would see shadows pass by, shadows with human-like figures. Sometimes I'd see them stick their feet out from behind corners, as if they were trying to get me to notice them. Sometimes they would stand in the dining room. They would just stay there, watching me. At one point, I was doing the dishes while my parents were gone. As I was minding my own business, something stronger than me grabbed onto my shoulders and pulled me backwards. I nearly fell over. As soon as it let go, I turned around and backed up towards the counter and I fell onto the floor, sobbing in fear. Odd things like that just kept happening, and then halfway through eighth grade, it all just stopped. I don't know what the shadows were, but all I care about is them being gone at last. My best word of advice would be to be careful when messing around with paranormal things. Ouija board or no Ouija board, simply contacting the dead could put you into contact with something far more horrifying. Number four, Paranormal Events, submitted by Foxy. I don't think I really started to notice the strange things happening around me until I was around 14 years old. But when I think back to it, there are a few things that seemed off, but I never was able to check into it, so I can't really say for sure. I'll start with the first thing that I remember, the earliest one that stood out. One night around 10 p.m., I was on the family computer in the office at the bottom of my stairs. My dog was at the top of the stairs outside of my parents' bedroom. I remember the air feeling stagnant that night. After about a minute of the air standing still, I suddenly felt the presence of someone standing behind me. And before I knew it, My dog was suddenly at the bottom of the stairs, staring at something behind me, and he was growling. He wouldn't come closer to me, and he wouldn't stop barking and snarling. I remember frantically trying to get him to calm down so that he didn't wake up everyone in the house. With him barking, the phone began to ring. My mom woke up and answered it, then hung up instantly. It rang again and she answered it once more, then just hung up. On the third time when it rang, my mom was dealing with the dog. So I picked up the phone myself and I hung up. It was just static. My mom admitted that that's what she heard as well. And just like that, the experience was over. Over the next few months, I began to notice a lot more little things. Things like doors opening and closing, footsteps, things being misplaced around the house, pets reacting to things that no one else can see, phantom smells, random noises like clicking and tapping and whispering. And before I knew it, I was searching for an explanation, which brings me to my interest in the paranormal. So like any ill-informed teenager, I decided to pull out my parents' Ouija board. I only ever used one a few times. The first time I was alone in my room, I believe I spoke to a young boy That's basically all I got, nothing escalated, and I simply said goodbye at the end of it. I didn't really tell anyone about it, as it wasn't the super climactic story that you would expect. Anyway, I was left at home alone a lot. I had been tending to the house myself since I was 12, so for me to be home alone and up at all hours of the night was just a normal thing for me. I was 15 and up reading at about 4 a.m. one time, It was just me and my dog in the house and it was winter. My grandma decided that when I was 10, she'd start sending me wind chimes as presents. Not sure why, but I hung them up around my room. Well, the following morning, the air got stagnant again. At this point, this was a usual feeling for me. All of a sudden, the wind chimes around my room all went off simultaneously. Even though there were no windows open, I mean, there was absolutely no air current This certainly freaked me out. Moving forward, at the age of 14, I began smoking. I lived in the middle of nowhere and I was always alone as usual. So it was nice just to have something to look forward to. I was in the garage at about 3 a.m. when I was 15, just having a smoke. My dad had a lot of tools and he had a lot of wrenches hanging on the wall. I went over to the ashtray beside the wrenches to put my smoke out. They all just started flailing around as if someone passed by hitting them with their hand. I jumped back, surprised, nearly tripping over backwards. After a few seconds of watching them flail about on their own, I walked over and stopped them myself. And out of curiosity, I decided to hit them myself to see how hard they'd have to be hit to swing around so violently like that. It took me three tries to get the right amount of strength. Well, one day when I was 16, my best friend and I made our own Ouija board. We set it up in her basement. We began to talk to something that wouldn't say goodbye to us. Eventually, it finally said goodbye after a candle was knocked over on its own, but luckily nothing caught fire. From the ages of 16 to 18, I did a lot of partying. I still noticed the little things. Upon starting my college career, I met a few cool girls who went to another school in the city I was in. We soon decided to get together after a few months of small talk for girls' night. They lived together, and I found myself visiting them a lot to hang out. One night, we got to talking about the paranormal, and they had had their own experiences. We soon decided to have a Ouija board session. You'd think I would have learned my lesson by now. As we were getting started, we began to hear something stomping around upstairs and with each stop, the lights above us would begin to flicker. We stopped the spirit board session right away. The girls were so scared that we all went to my place to sleep that night. But still, on the same night at my place, we heard stomping around the house. We heard people talking, whistling. and We heard whispering in a nearby room, a room that was empty. After playing with that Ouija board, everything minor, like the doors, the footsteps, the whispering, it all began to happen daily more and more. It seemed to be more prominent now when I was around people that caught my attention, almost like whatever it was just wanted my attention more. Throughout everything happening to me daily, there weren't too many crazy experiences as I recall. I was in a relationship and my energy was focused on how to get through all the fights we had so I wasn't paying too much attention to much else. There was a random violent door slam on occasion, but the only other thing that happened from age 19 to 20 was the following. I was visiting home. We had a lot of family over, so I didn't get my bedroom to myself. Instead, I had the couch. Our living room is situated by the front door. I slept on the love seat right by the door. The guy I was with was on the bigger couch nearby. As I was the last one to go to bed that night, I did my usual routine of checking the doors and windows. Everything seemed okay, so I got back to my couch and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I suddenly woke up and I heard a familiar noise. It was the sound of someone trying to open the front door knob. I got up and checked to make sure it was locked and I looked outside to see that no one was there. I creepily went back to the couch, only to hear it again for a few seconds, and then the door flew right open in front of me, despite it being locked. I eventually left my ex, and I needed a change. I moved across the country and began working at a resort in the Canadian Rockies. There were so many things that happened there. That place itself is said to be haunted. They tell you on the orientation day, They even showed us cabins where people had apparently passed away. These were said to be the hotspots, not to mention the place was 100 years old minimum. Plus, it didn't help that everything had escalated and gotten more frequent after using that Ouija board in the basement so many years ago. I would often hear running down the hall to my bedroom door, and my bedroom door would fly open in the middle of the night, and no one would be there. I had awful dreams where I'd wake up and think spiders were coming down from the ceiling. And every night I stayed there, the dreams got worse and worse. It would feel so real. I would wake up screaming, slapping at the spiders that weren't actually on me. I would have to change my sheets just to be sure there were no spiders in them. My roommate said she would always hear tapping on the nearby wall and talking from my room in the middle of the night when I wasn't home. She said she'd hear things in the kitchen and come out to all the cupboards open when I was sleeping or gone. Around this time in my life, I met my now husband. Prior to moving in with him, I explained to him all the things that happened around me. He wasn't too worried. He said we would just see. So soon I decided I'd start looking for a job across town as that would be closer to where he lived. We discussed living terms and whatnot, but the one to note being that his gaming room stay his room and I would get the basement as my hobby place. I hated his gaming room anyway. It was cluttered with clothes and beer bottles. The next day when we woke up, we couldn't find my glasses anywhere, which was a huge deal as I can barely walk without my glasses, let alone drive an hour into town. After looking for a few hours, I finally found them in the gaming room on the middle of his keyboard. He said that he hadn't touched my glasses, and I believed him. I knew it was the activity following me everywhere I went. My husband just told me to ignore the paranormal for now, just to see how that went, and it only seemed to piss this thing off further. We began to notice that something had been drawing on the windows with their fingertips from the inside. My husband soon admitted to hearing tapping, and candles would often light on their own. We eventually got a dog together, and even the dog would freak out and growl at an empty room. There were certain rooms he would just not go in. My sister-in-law once woke up to her bed moving like someone was rocking it, trying to pull the sheets from her. And of course, my spider dreams got even worse. One night, I heard a constant tapping when we were trying to sleep, three tapping sounds in a row. I woke up my husband and asked if he heard it. He said yes but not to worry because it was just the tap dripping. Well, it stopped instantly. He rolled over for a moment to go back to sleep, but then the tapping started back up in the bedroom, right above our heads, as if whatever it was was making a point that we knew it wasn't the tap. My husband rolled back over and looked at me with fear in his eyes. We didn't go back to sleep that night. We have moved since then, We do have the usual still in our new house. The escalations from my previous Ouija board experience seem to be finally dying down. And I just hope that everything stays that way, at least for a while. Well, you made it through those stories alive and in one piece, I see. Congratulations. Now, take this Ouija board as your reward. Yeah, that may have rhymed and sounded cute, but there's nothing cute about trying to contact your great-grandmother beyond the grave, only to speak to some demon pretending to be her. A demon that's trying to visit our world, your world, and maybe it wants to wear your skin the same way it wore your grandmother's. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your Kmart scary story soon at darknessprevails.org. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patron. They are Matthew Goodacre. Well, now let's call you Matthew Betteracre because you're doing all you can to support this channel. As always, to everyone that is listening, stay safe out there and stay creepy.